illusionist, if you will, to uh, pull off a magic trick. One of the ways magic tricks are pulled off is that a magician is able to get an audience or an individual uh, to focus or look at something that's insignificant or doesn't matter so that they can do what's necessary to make this trick appear to be magic. Yeah. In other words, they distract you or get your emphasis or focus in the wrong place so that you in turn will miss the reality of what's going on and think you have actually seen magic. Uh, we, we actually spent uh, the last four years, uh, every day almost, uh, the, the victims of distractions. Uh, often in presidential press conferences, uh, reporters would ask one question and, and in his own sly way, uh, President Donald Trump would, would turn the conversation to something or someone else to create some distraction that the real question, a real issue at hand would not be addressed and they would end up discussing something that really did not matter. Uh, I lift that and I lift this today because I am literally convinced that as we live in one of the most challenging times we have ever seen, and as we are in a pivotal age and pivotal era, even in the life of the church, I believe so many people are worried about the wrong things. I, I see it often daily in conversations. We see it in our Facebook posts, our Instagram quotes, we see it all around us how so many people worried about the wrong thing. Somebody's probably called you and and when you are probably five or ten minutes into the conversation, you said to yourself, while perhaps not saying it out loud, you said this person is worried about the wrong thing. Yes. Perhaps a co-worker came to your cubicle and began discussing another co-worker while missing their own work. Yeah. And you said to yourself, they're worried about the wrong thing. How many times have children gone to the teacher's desk, told the teacher about another child, not doing something they should be doing and, 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 and carrying on when they were literally worried about the wrong thing? All right. I lift this and I want to talk about this today because as it was so with Jesus' disciples, I am convinced that many children of God, many Christians are missing monumental moments because in this hour we are worried about the wrong thing. That's right. You're right. Can I lift, can I lift this text? Uh, one in John 13. Uh, it's actually um, the only account of, of this because as Jesus is in this upper room, having, according uh, to Luke 22 and other accounts, we recognize Jesus sent some of his disciples to make preparation 
in this upper room where he could spend some of his last moments with his disciples sharing in this Passover meal as he began to institute what we've come to know as the Lord's Supper. He, he literally, in this context, he totally uh, amends or adjusts or helps graduate the idea that the Passover was literally God's way of preparing his people for a greater deliverance that would come through his son, Jesus Christ. You remember Passover where uh, God allowed those who would place blood on the doorpost and would allow the deaf angel to pass over them. But that deliverance, uh, ultimately everybody who did not die that night, sooner or later they died. Yeah. But the deliverance that comes through Jesus Christ will be an eternal deliverance that will cause eternal death to pass over all of those who have placed faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so they, 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 they prepared this setting, this upper room. And, and according to the text, according to Luke 22, um, you'll see uh, several things take place in that, in that setting. That was, first of all, uh, that was fellowship. There was that was fellowship. Jesus says to his disciples that with great desire, I desire to spend this time with you. He was passionate about the fellowship or the time he was going to spend with the disciples. Some three plus years he had spent literally days every day with these disciples and now he is preparing to do what he ultimately came to earth to accomplish and he is now uh, wanting to spend some intimate time with them so he wants to fellowship and I would suggest on my way where we need to go that one of the things we miss is that Jesus wants us to fellowship with him yeah, I know. I know. I know. Often, the only time we communicate with him is when we want something from him. But but sometimes he just simply wants the fellowship. He wants you to be as passionate about spending time with him as he is about spending time with you. Yeah. Right. So so there's passion, but then there is also privacy. In other words. The Lord's Supper in this upper room was not for everybody. The Lord's Supper in this room was only for the disciples. Yeah. Uh -huh. And I know, I know, I know sometimes people come to worship and, and even sometimes children, we want to appease them by just giving them uh, bread and giving them wine. But the Lord's Supper is not for everybody. Uh, only those who have placed faith in Jesus Christ. Jesus said, as often as you do this, do it in remembrance of me. Yeah, right. And you can't remember him if you don't know him. That's right. I wish I had him in this house. So it, it was passionate. It was private fellowship. But then not only was there fellowship, but then there was discipleship. Even in this setting, Jesus was teaching his disciples. Yeah. He, he, first of all, um, 
took unleavened bread and, and broke it and told his disciples this was symbolic of his body, which was going to be broken for the sins of many. So he showed them or taught them that there was going to be suffering in all of this, that, that there will be no salvation without suffering. Yeah. Yeah. But not only does he show them that there will be suffering, he also shows them there will be sacrifice. Yeah. Yeah. In other words, you won't get a resurrection morning yeah. without a crucifixion. Right. Uh, uh, everybody celebrates on resurrection morning. But before there was a resurrection morning, there had to be a good Friday. Right. Yeah. And on good Friday, Jesus had to die for our sins. In other words, he's letting them know that he is going to be like the lambs of old, the sacrifice needed to save the world from their Sin. Yeah. Yeah. Not only, not only, not only is there fellowship and and if there discipleship, but in John's account of this, we see what I want to call ministry. He he has fellowship with them. He has taught them. But but now uh, the Bible lets us know Jesus shows them what ministry looks like. Yeah. Here is here is what I want to want to deal with today and if you'll help me I'll deal with it and we'll get on about our business. I believe that everybody likes fellowship. Everybody enjoys hanging out with one another. Believe we we like fellowship. Matter of fact, people rush to get out of church only to hang out after church. We, 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 we love, we love, we love fellowship. And, and I believe uh, we're living in an age and era where people love discipleship to be able to say they learn and they know and they, they know something somebody else does. But, but here is where um, many, for many of us, the rubber meets the road. That we like fellowship, we like discipleship, but, but everybody doesn't love ministry. All right, come on. We, we, we love hanging out and having fun and and and, and, and eating our greens and cornbread and and talking about the good old days. And we love uh, being able to dig in the word and and learn. But when it comes to making application to what the word of God has taught us and to put it into action, many of us are not concerned about ministry. Right. Um, this this subject comes up in this in this text. Uh, actually, uh, there are two aspects of this I want to deal with, and, and I'll do do that real quickly. Uh, one of them is humility, mm -hmm. yeah, and, and the other is ability. I want let, let me deal yeah. with that real quick. Um, here's what here's what happens in text. The Bible says having understood that all things were accomplished and having loved them to the end, the, the Bible says Jesus took a towel and girded himself, uh, took a, a water basin, put water in it, and began to wash the disciples' feet. Now in the context of this culture, it was normal for 
a, a, a host to wash his guest's feet. Um, if, if, if you had guests come in your house, I know, I know many of you um, have on today high dollar shoes, but in that day, they either walked with sandals or barefooted. Yeah. And, when, and when you walked in someone's house, um, your feet were filled with sand and dirt. So one of the customary and complimentary things you would do when someone came to your house, the least you would do is begin by washing their feet. Having taken a long or even short journey, you could imagine feet are dirty, yeah. feet are tired, feet are hot. And, and so to help your guests feel comfortable, um, you would wash their feet. Now, here is the interesting thing. They, they've eaten supper. They've enjoyed the fellowship and discipleship. Yeah. But nobody thought to wash anybody's feet. Y'all yeah. right. oh, going to help me preach this. Right. Uh, they, they've been in this room. They, they've been enjoying each other's company. They've been enjoying the teaching and preaching of Jesus. They've enjoyed this time, but no, it never entered into anybody's mind. Maybe my other brothers would like their feet to be washed. I, I, it's an issue. It's an issue because if you read the other accounts of, of, of this, this upper room experience, you're going to discover that uh, when Jesus is talking to them about his need to die on the cross, the Bible says his disciples, matter of fact, it's Luke 22 and 24, says that strife rose among his disciples because they started arguing among them who is going to be the greatest. Y'all yeah. Yeah. ain't helping me, please. Uh, Jesus is getting ready to perform the most selfless act that will ever be recorded in history. And those who are closest to him are acting in a selfish manner. Yeah, yeah. It, it'd, be like, it'd be like a mother, father, grandparent on their deathbed telling children and grandchildren how much they love them and all uh, the things they would like for them to accomplish and rather than, than enjoying that moment or seeing how they can assist in that moment they begin to argue and fight about who's going to get the inheritance. Yeah. That, that, that's really what happens in this text. The disciples do not say well Jesus how can we help you handle this moment? Nobody, nobody says, how can we pray for you? How can we be there for you? What they want to know is when Jesus moves off the scene, yeah. who's going to be next up in, in line? Now, I know, I, know, I know I'm bothering some of y'all. So let me, let me move. But, but here is why um, this becomes such an intricate issue. Um, I, as a matter of fact, if I was one of the disciples, this this subject wouldn't even be coming up. Do you remember how when Jesus went on the Mount Transfiguration and 
how when he came back, his disciples were struggling with this man whose son had a demonic spirit. And he says uh, to Jesus, I brought my son to your disciples and they couldn't cure him. They couldn't yeah. heal him. Yeah. Yeah. Do you remember how on the Sea of Galilee, uh, Jesus is asleep on the boat and a storm arises and the disciples get fearful and afraid and they wake Jesus up and say, Master, don't you care that we are perishing? Here's my point. How in the world are you going to follow him and you couldn't even stand strong with him with you? Come on now. In, in other words, how are you going to be the next Jesus? When you couldn't be all you needed to be with Jesus. So, so, so really, it's, it's, it's something that should not be uh, coming up as a discussion. But what Jesus wants us and wants them to understand is that his life, his ministry is built around humility. Yeah. In other words, in other words, when you and I are able to see ourselves as we ought to see ourselves. Uh, somebody said um, humility is, is not the idea of thinking little of yourself. Humility is thinking not of yourself at all. All right. In, in other words, you don't consume yourself with yourself. Yeah. Or you don't already talk about yourself. In other words, your topic of conversation is never about yourself. Come on now. Let, 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 let's look at a couple of things. One, let's look at the disciples' discussion. Because here is, here is what I believe. I believe your motivation will come out in your conversation. In other words, what drives yeah. you and, and what motivates you yeah. sooner or later is going to come out in what you talk about. It will. And several times, not only in this upper room, the disciples would fight or disagree or argue among themselves about who would be the greatest. Mm -hmm. Who was going to be the next one who would... And, and actually... What was happening was they were adopting Gentile or pagan ideas about what leadership really looked like. You see, in the Gentile world, a leader lorded over his subjects. Yeah. A leader got served by those whom he was over. But Jesus wants his disciples to understand, this comes up back in Luke 22, his disciples to understand that service in the kingdom is not how, how you can stand over your subject, but how low can, you can get to serve your yeah. subjects. Yeah. Yeah. In, other words, in other words, they're in this room. And Jesus is modeling service, but they're worried about the wrong thing. Right. Yeah. I, 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 I've got, I've got to, I've got to build this, but, 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 but maybe, maybe I'm missing you. But, but perhaps you know somebody who, who God has allowed to be in a pivotal place to serve Him in ministry. 
But some kind of way, perhaps they started out with the right motive and motivation. But the enemy got in and now they're worried about the wrong thing. Come on and no longer is it about an opportunity to serve. No longer is it an opportunity to give God glory and God to work in you, through you, and for you. Now it's about what I can get out of this. As a matter of fact, I wish I had a little time to talk to you all. Because what really is so important about the disciples that they would be leading anybody? Because the only thing great about them is the one in whom they're connected to. Yeah, yeah. And, and some of us can get beside ourselves. I wish I had a little time to talk to y'all. Because possessions, if we're not careful, can become possessions. That's right. And cause us to forget they are simply instruments that God can use to help us advance his kingdom. Y'all ain't hear nothing I'm saying. In, in other words, if God put me somewhere, it's not for me to use it for my glory. It's not for me to use for me to influence somebody for my good. It's for God to use me that I can advance his holy kingdom. So I can't get caught up in being in a position because you do know just as quick as you got in, you can get y'all in here. You, you, you remember okay. that fella just a couple of months ago didn't want to leave the White House because he felt like that was his position. And, and some of us criticized that. But do you know I met a whole lot of folk in church. They'll cut your throat behind a position. And you've got to understand I am significant position. Are y'all in here? If, if a tag and a title defines you, you need to redefine yourself. Right. In, in, in other words, if, if all you are about is being president, CEO, chairperson, then you need to redefine yourself because as soon as somebody pulls that tag or title from you, you're going to be mad at the devil. But do you know I'm somebody because I'm God's child, y'all. And, and I don't have to tell everybody I'm doctor this or chairman that or reverend this or deacon that. If I'm a child of God, it'll come out in my lifestyle. All right. Come on, come on, come on. They are caught up in a position. And they're spending the mass of their time talking about how they can yeah. maneuver themselves to move up. Yeah. Move up the ladder. All right. I, I, I don't talk about the disciple discussion, but, but let me let me say a word. Let me say a word about uh, the disciples' desire. Do you know this issue was so ingrained in some of the disciples that uh, James and John uh, went to Jesus, sons of thunder, went to Jesus, asking him for seats yeah. beside him. Yeah. One on the right and one on the left. One account even says that their mother yeah. went to Jesus. Y'all ain't hearing yeah. me. Yeah. That, that, because they, they couldn't see service. They just saw seats. Yeah. 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 All they saw, they didn't see that, that, that God positioned me and strategically put me in a place to serve. All they saw was the seat. Yeah. And when you get caught up in, see, you know, you know, the Bible says that, I think it's around Luke 20, talks about how the Pharisees like 
to walk around wearing long robes and how, to, how they like to walk around and to sit in their great seats because it made them feel significant. But if I'm God's child, if, if I'm using uh, used of God and, and I know who I am in Christ, I don't need a high seat to feel like somebody. Matter of fact, the Bible tells us it's best to learn how to sit in a low place yeah. so you don't have to be as down from a high place you really don't belong in. Y'all right. ain't what I'm right. Come on. So the text said that their desire became about seats, superiority, supremacy. Jesus tells us what his desire was. Says to us, says the disciples, my desire is to fellowship. I, I wanted to spend time with you. And even in the text, we see what Satan's desire was. Later on, Jesus is going to tell Peter, Satan has desired you. Yeah. That he might sift you like wheat. We know, we know, Jack tells us what Jesus' desire is. We know what Satan's desire is. But the question I want to raise is what's your desire? All right, all right. We, we know that Jesus wants to fellowship with his children. We know the enemy comes to steal, kill, and to destroy. But what's your desire? Can I say? To you that there are several places that help us know what we ought desire. In Psalm 73, 25, in Psalm, Psalm it says, Lord, I desire you more than anything else. That, that God, I want you. I don't need anything from you. I just want you. Yeah. Psalm 42, the psalmist says, that the deer pants after the water. So my soul longs after you. In other words, God, I don't need positions and possessions. I just want you in my life. Yeah. But then not only that, Romans 10, 1 says, there ought to be a desire in us for men to be saved. Yeah. Paul says, Romans 10 and 1, brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. Yeah. For bearing them record, they've got a zeal of God, but not according to the. Here's what I'm saying: There ought to be something in you that wants to see people come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah. And then Psalm 27:4 says, "There ought to be a desire in us to dwell in the house of the Lord." Yeah. That, that's what the psalmist says. One thing have I desired, that will I seek after, that I may behold the beauty of the Lord and inquire in his temple, for in a time of trouble he shall hide me. In other words, I ought to want to come to God's house to spend time with God's people and give God glory in his house. All right. And then 1 Peter 2 and 2 says, there ought to be a desire in us for the sincere milk of the word of God. In other words, once I'm saved, there ought to be something in me, a desire to grow and become more and more like Jesus. Here's my point. Every now and then, you need to examine what your desires are. That's right. And every now and then, you need to ask the Lord, search my heart. Yeah. 
And whatever you, Lord, if my desires have gotten off base, Lord, if I'm in this for the wrong reason, Lord, if my spirit has gotten tainted and my motive and motivation is wrong, Lord, search my heart, touch my heart, convict my heart that I can change because I ought to be in this not for my gain. I ought to be in it for your glory. Yeah, yeah. And every time somebody tries to celebrate me, I ought to be saying, to God be the glory uh -huh. yeah. for the things he has done. Yeah. Yeah. I'll leave you alone. But the reason it's important to know about your desires yeah. is because bad desires lead to bad decisions. Did y'all hear what I said? Yeah. The Bible talks about us loving, not loving the world. Because if you find yourself loving or desiring the world, you'll find yourself pursuing the world. You'll find yourself captivated and caught up in the world. A matter of fact, here's what I, what I discovered reading this text. Do you know the Bible never tells a leader to humble his followers. Do you know what the Bible tells us? Humble yourself. As leaders, yeah. Do you? Y'all, yeah. In other words, your humility is in your own hands. That's right. Yeah. Now, now the Lord may have to embarrass you. In order for you to humble yourself, in other words, he may have to humiliate you in order to humble you. Y'all ever been there? Yeah. As a matter of fact, back in the day, parents um, would would chastise a child in public because they let them know if you act up in public, I'm going to embarrass you in public. And sometimes when your ego has become so high. That God may have to publicly show you right. you are not what you thought you were right. in order that you can come down to a place where he can really use you. Y'all right. playing with right. me. But every now and then God will bring you down if you won't bring yourself down. That's why the Bible tells humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and he'll exalt you in due time. In other words, get a proper appraisal of yourself by your Yourself before God had to bring down yourself. That's right, man. That's right. Here's what happens, and I'm going to leave you alone. Because they are desires are wrong. Bible lets us know even before this passage is over, even before chapter 13 is done, that Peter says to Jesus, Jesus, I, I want to go wherever you go. And Jesus said, You can't go where I'm going. He said, But Peter, before all this is over, you would have denied me three times. In other words, do, do, you, do you know that before this was all over, Peter would deny him. Judas would betray him. And the Bible says all of his disciples would forsake him. Yeah. Because they were able to find out when your focus gets in the wrong place yeah, yeah. and on the wrong things, you can find.
yourself falling when you didn't even know that you could fall. Yeah. yeah. Their humility, their humility. He had to bring them low. It's everything. But then Jesus closes by saying a word about ability. Jesus tells his disciples that your greatest thing that I want to be associated with you is your love. He said, this is how I've set an example for you. I've shown you what this is all about. But he says, the way that you show others what this life is all about is having love one for yeah. Yeah. That, that's what it says. That's what it says. That your motivation to serve ought to be that you love God and love God's creation. And that you don't need a pat on the back. You don't need any other external or temporal motivation. All you need is to love God other people like you know God loves you. That's right. That's right. I, 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 I'm going to quit. I'm going to quit. But here's what I learned, y'all. Here's what I learned. You can be in a holy place around holy people for a holy purpose. But if you don't have a holy perspective, you'll still find yourself in the enemy's camp. They were, they, were, they were in a holy place that went up a room, consecrated and set aside to spend time with Jesus. That they were with, as holy as you can get, they were in the presence of Jesus Christ. There to celebrate what God was going to do through him. But because their minds were in the wrong place, they left there still not where they needed to be. That's I'm right. done, y'all. Right. Philippians 2 says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, because though he was equal with God, thought it not robbery to humble himself and humble himself to the point that he became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Here's what I'm trying to tell y'all, that if I don't get my mind right, if I don't get my spirit right, I'll come to God's house, I'll come amongst God's people with all the wrong things in mind. But when I get my mind right, I will come to worship him and worship him alone. In other words, wherever he allows me to serve, whatever he allowed me to do, I'm going to do what he wants me to do, and I'm going to do it for his glory. Yeah, yeah. Someone said God sends no one empty, away empty, except those who are full of themselves. <laughs> Mother Teresa, someone said of her that she is free to be nothing. Therefore, God can use her for anything. Right. You know why That's God good. can't use some of us? We're too high. Right. We, we, we're too proud. We're too mighty. And we're too big on ourselves. Come on. But when I get to a place like Jesus Christ where God can use me, He can take my life.
and use it to do great and mighty things. I'm going to close today. The Bible lets us know that Jesus focused on Jerusalem. And when he focused on Jerusalem, he didn't let anyone or anything hinder him from his focus. Am, am, I, am I worried about the wrong thing? Worried about what somebody else has, what God is doing through somebody else, where somebody else lives? When God wants me to focus on his assignment for my life. Yeah. God wants me to focus on giving him glory out of my life. Putting the kingdom first in all these things be added unto you. Am I worried? I'm worried. Worried about, about the wrong thing. Battling. Competing. Because if I compete with you, we can't complete each other. That's right. That's right. And, and what happens far too often is I compete with you because I compare you. And I say, I say, why the so-and-so have this? Or why are they serving here? Because I feel like I deserve. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I'll start comparing myself to you. Yeah. And then I'll start competing with you. Yeah. All right. And, and I'll see you as the enemy. That's right. Instead of as an ally. That's right. And I'll see you on the other team while we're supposed to be. Same. Same. I, I thought about this, and I'm going to leave y'all alone. What if in these moments Jesus told his disciples, all of y'all are going to betray me? All of y'all going to walk out on me? What if instead of looking around the room and saying, is it you or is it you? Matter of fact, uh, John says that Peter looked over uh, a whisper to the disciple that Jesus loved. We believe that be John and said, find out who he's talking about. Yeah. What if they had said, Let's pray together. Well, what if they said, let's, let's stay together through the night? But because there was strife over who's going to be the greatest, yeah. Yeah. Uh -huh. they couldn't be there for one another at the most important time in their life. I'm saying something because, do you know, even now in many of our churches, that in the most crucial hour we have, we are so focused on the wrong stuff. We cannot focus on the right stuff. That's right. You're right. If you're strong, the Bible says the strong are the bad infirmities of the weak. That's right. And if somebody's falling, Paul says in Galatians, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye who are spiritual, you ought to restore such a way. Right. Uh -huh. That's right. In other words, somebody's fall doesn't make you look better. 
Somebody's weakness doesn't make you look stronger. But what if we stood together and said, for God I live. I'm going to bear my brother's burdens. Yeah. I'm going to stand with him because we're in this Do you know if one disciple messes, messes up, it looks bad on all of us? That's right. Yeah. And so, it's my focus, my heart. And if Jesus could take a towel and wipe and wash the disciples' feet, my question ought to be, how can I serve you? I know you're tired. I know you're weary. I know you even get dirty along the way. But how can I help you? How can I pray for you? How can I strengthen you? Yeah. Stand on your feet. Stand on your feet. The greatest among you is the servant. I've discovered from the pulpit to door, none of us are entitled to any position. None of us, we're not entitled to having our way, getting what we want. This is God's business. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? Right. This isn't my house or your house. This is God's house. This is God's business. And if God chooses to use me in a certain way, well and good. But if he places his hand on somebody else and wants to use them for a certain purpose, all I can say is run on. All right. And support them. Worry about the wrong thing. Worry about the wrong thing. Domestic violence in our city. Streets filled with blood. And, and we can't reach people because the church worried about the wrong thing. We ought to be praying about the community around us. Praying about the lost and praying about how we can reach and meet people's needs. And, but when, when we worry about the wrong thing, I'm going to pray, but here's, here's what I want to ask you. And this, I pray, is a time of self-examination. The last time you talked to a member of this ministry, what did you talk about? Did you say, let's pray about the furtherance of God's word? Did, did, did that, let's pray for brother so-and-so. Let's lift sister so-and-so. 
because discussions speak of our desires and desires lead to your decisions. Carnal discussions lead to carnal desires Amen. which lead to carnal decisions. Father, we love you. And we know you love us. God, help us this day more than ever. God, focus on the era of time in which we live and help us this day, God. As Jesus did, God, to look intently at your goal for us, your assignment for us, that you can use us for your glory, God. Touch our hearts, our minds, oh God. Help us look at the true motive and motivation of why we do what we do, God. And I pray our motive, our hearts will be pure that what we do can be all about you and advancing your kingdom. Help today, God. Help today. today. Amen. You could be here today in need of a relationship with Jesus Christ, in need of knowing him on a personal basis, believing Jesus Christ is God's son, died for your sins, rose on the third day. If that's you today, emphatically, Scripture tells us if you would confess with your mouth, believing in your heart, God raised Jesus from the dead. You will be, you will be saved. You may need relationship, and then you may need fellowship. Church, a place you can grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. You're saved, but you need to be connected to other born again believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. You're saved, but you need to be connected to other Christians in the building, on campus, online, even on the phone today. If you need relationship, you need fellowship, you call us, if you inbox us, we will do our due diligence to lead you to where you need to be with the Lord Jesus Christ, and perhaps today you simply need prayer, you can come today, maybe you see your heart is not where it needs to be, you see the struggle and the strength.
morning. Say this and move forward. Some scholars have suggested that Jesus washing his disciples' feet was indicative of the sanctification we need after salvation. Because sometimes along our Christian journey, even though we're saved, we still get dirty. And, and this would be a good day. You may be saved. You may be saved. But this would be a good day to just say, Lord, wash me. What, whatever impurities are there, Lord. What, whatever's gotten in the way of being purely serving you, Lord. Get it out. Get it, wash it out. Clean me up. That I can be a vessel. You can use for you can use for your glory. Sister Cynthia uh, is, is saved, her testimony is saved, being a member of a church, and her pastor recently passed, I think she had mentioned it to me a while back, and her desire to be a part of this church. Amen. 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 That is saved. You're saved. You're a believer in Jesus Christ. You've been baptized, and you're deciding to be a part of this God-teaching, God-fearing congregation. Yes, Amen. All right. Well, we are glad to have you. Amen. Sisters from uh, the temple make her feel welcome and let her know how excited we are to have her with us. Matter of fact, why don't one of you bring her with you and have her sit with you? Amen. 